Well, we are in working our way through the book of Philippians, and we come now to verse 12 and 13 today as we begin to understand not the process of justification where we become believers, but now the process of sanctification where we live out uh, who you really are inside on the outside. So it starts in verse 12, therefore, therefore what? Therefore, looking at all that Jesus has done and giving us an example, he emptied himself. He saw everybody's interests as more important than his interests. He put everybody um, before, saw everybody as better than himself. He, and, and therefore the Father highly exalted him and has given him a name above all names in the same way with us. If we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he can lift us up in due season. But Paul says, my beloved, he is clearly talking to believers here. And he's letting them know, out of the love of my heart, I'm writing to you. And I'm getting ready to speak this into your life. You are beloved, not of just me, but you're the beloved of God. And he says right there, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He told us in Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4 there, let nothing be done through selfish ambition and seed, lowliness of mind, let each, he's talking to the believers, esteem others better than himself, let each of you, Look out not only for his own interests, but the interests of others. So here we see that he's saying Jesus had this mindset where he came into human flesh. He was a servant of all men. He emptied himself and he took on the role of a servant and he did it. He, he didn't talk about washing feet. He washed feet. <laughs> he didn't talk about Denying himself, he really did deny himself. At times, we see him completely exhausted from spending himself over and over again. Even when the boat was filling up with water, he still didn't wake up. He was so exhausted. And he really did take up the cross. He really did live the crucified life. And now, I want to make this clear here. Because people often read this and they say, oh, work for your salvation with fear and trembling. It does not say for, does it? It says work out. Uh, today's English, it would sound more like this. In the Weiss word study, it says the words work out are a translation of the Greek, which means to carry out the goal, to carry out the ultimate conclusion. It would be like a, a person, if you've ever had algebra or calculus, sometimes it takes a whole page to work out the, the math problem or two or three pages uh, to work out the math problem. And this is what he's saying. You, you have a, something that happened in you. God made us holy. Now you need to work it out to see that holiness on the outside. God's spirit came into your life and he filled you with his love. Now you've got to work out the love practically day to day in your life. So if it were, if it were not for, if it were or work out, if it was the word for, it would change the entire Bible. And I, so I've heard people teach this that way. Work for your salvation. If you really want to be saved, start showing it. And you need to look at your works. Are you really saved or not? I don't think you really are saved or you would, you know, whatever. Read the Bible more. Go to church more. Pray more. Be holier. Be nicer. <laughs> um, whatever it is. So you, if you want really to be saved, you better start looking like it or you, you won't be. Boy, that changes everything, doesn't it? Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 no longer exists. As it says in, in Romans, uh, it says, then works are no longer works and grace is no longer grace. Um, remember in, in, in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it, it clearly says there that we are saved by the grace of God by having faith in that grace, not of ourselves, not of works. 
That is not the case. So Paul is not contradicting himself now, saying, hey, I said don't work for your salvation. Now I'm saying do work for your salvation. Ah, I'm confused. What does Paul mean? No, Paul says in the state of being saved, there is a part that you also do, not to gain salvation, justification, but as a saved person, you work out sanctification. So what does he mean? That believers need to mature to come to understand they have to put a real effort into their Christian lives, practical ways, day by day. So work out your salvation, not for justification. That's a gift from God, not of works. But do work out your salvation, sanctification. Seeing on the outside what God has truly put in the inside. Remember Hebrews 10, 14. For by the one offering he's perfected forever, sanct- or justification, those who are now being sanctified. Now those who are in the process of being sanctified. Justification's done forever. John three sixteen. right? Whoever believes in him shall not perish. Emphatic shall have eternal life. Through the cross, just like the thief on the cross, hands were tied, feet tied, no works, not of himself. Jesus, Lord, remember when you come into your kingdom. Today you'll be with me in Paris. Why? Because salvation is by faith alone, not of our works. However, on the cross, when he gave everybody the gift of justification, on the cross... He also did the work of our sanctification. So understand, sanctification is a process that will be finished when we're in our new bodies in heaven. We really will be holy as Jesus is holy. The Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we become, our nature becomes the righteousness of Christ. So that day is coming. Everybody will be in that state. But right now we're on earth for a very short time. Right? When you see the tomb, it says, has the date they were born, and then the little dash, and then the date when they died. That little dash right there is what we're talking about. Okay? And everybody's little dash is quicker than we all anticipated, right? I mean, David was right when he said, Lord, help me to know the number of my days that I might gain wisdom. You know, I I often think about that, that David died at 70. A lot of godly men died at 70, and 70 is a real number to me now. (laughs) It It used to be this thing that's out there in the distance that, you know, it's 10 million light years away. And now it's like tomorrow. Um, But um, so this is something that God did on the cross, our justification. But he also on the cross had in view the process of our sanctification. And then he did complete it on the cross Once we leave this body and our new body, we will have entire sanctification. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1 through 4. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord that you should abound more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and please God. For you know the commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, what? Your sanctification. Listen now. That you should abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and in honor. Do you see how he is saying this? It's, it's life is real and this is real simple. <laughs> right? I mean, we, we know how that works, right? If you're thirsty and you don't drink for three days, what's going to happen in the physical realm? You're going to get dehydrated. Same in the spiritual realm. If you're not filled with the Spirit and cry out to God and keep being filled with the Spirit and sing like we did today, worshiping God, that fills us with the Spirit. 
then you're going to all of a sudden be dehydrated. In the same way we have to eat, right? And if we don't eat, we get weak and lethargic. In the same way with the word, it's the manna. We've got to eat Jesus. We've got to eat the word up. And if we do, then we're going to be strong. The same with coming to church. Big part of the reason coming to church is God speaks through the message. It actually said this is the way he prophesies. I'm prophesying right now. Not the future telling, but the foretelling of God's word. And the Bible says it matures us as believers. So again, if you're not coming to church, then you're going to be easy prey for the devil, right? If a sheep is off by itself and not with the flock, there's the word. It's a, it's a murder of crows, right? Gattle of geese, and uh, it's a flock of sheep. There we go. <laughs> Did I have it right? Okay, good. Um, a flock of sheep. So if you're by yourself. So these are just very practical things. And this, this is why he says in, in Jude, there are some people that are not walking in the faith. And when the day of the rapture comes... He says, they're going to be like snatched out of the fire. Their little butt's going to be singed. (laughs) And their very garments are going to smell of their sin. In 1 John, he says, I say this to you, that you won't shrink away in shame at his appearing. Was Lot ashamed when the angels came to visit him? He sure was. They snatched him out of Sodom and Gomorrah. But he didn't bring any of his family with him. He was not working out his salvation there, even though his righteous soul was vexed every day. And so, in in a very practical way, he is saying, I'm not going to do this for you. This is your part to love me. And so, just like an angel's not going to show up and, and force water down your throat or force you to eat healthy food, God's not going to stir the waters and, and all of a sudden, you know, he shakes your bed until you not fall out of bed on your knees and you're like, okay, now pray. You know, it's like God keeps his hand on your head, won't let you off your knees until you pray for a couple of minutes. Then you can, oh yeah, boy. God's not going to force you to go to church. He's not going to force you to read your Bible. This is human stuff we do in the physical realm for our physical body, and we also have to do it in the spiritual realm for our spiritual body, for our spiritual fruitfulness. So we receive not because we what? Ask not. Psalm 1, if you meditate on God's word day and night, then you'll be strong. Then your leaf won't wither. Then you'll produce the fruit you're supposed to in your season, and whatever you do will prosper. But if you don't read the word, what? (laughs) That prosperity won't be there. You will, your leaf will shrivel. (laughs) You won't bear food. That's why Jesus says some bear tenfold, some thirtyfold, some sixtyfold, some a hundredfold. He wants us to be a hundred percent fruitful. And it's so easy. It's, it's not like we have to get up at three in the morning and put on our monk outfit and shave our head bald and, and you know, crawl on our knees to the highest hill and bong the big giant bong and, and uh, you know, face east and pray for an hour five times a day. There, there's no, it, Christianity is true to life. You can, you can pray with your mind. You can pray when your mind's unfruitful. You can pray in your heart while you're driving. Or you can, you can pray specifically on your knees where you're blocking everything out but Jesus. All of the above. You can meditate on God's word dedicatedly in your chair with your coffee in the morning reading it. Or you can meditate on it all day long as you're just going through the thing. It's true to life. No special haircuts. No special diet. No special wardrobe. No special things you got to memorize. Do you realize how easy the Lord has made it? I mean, it's not like you're going to church every day for three hours. 
You get up at three in the morning. If you're going to follow God, you got up at work. You got to get up every day at three in the morning and be at church by six and pray for three hours before you go off. And you got to do this seven days a week. God's not giving us some yoke that's like crazy heavy as most religions do. It's amazing. You know, the, the Mormons, they have to, under their clothes, wear holy underwear. This is no joke. And then when they need a new one, they got to go to the temple and get rebaptized. And then they, in the water, they put on the new one and you put it over your head and take the other one off at the same time so there's no break in your holy underwear. You look at the religions of the world, it's this way. It's not true to life. It's some weird, bizarre thing. But yet people will do it. Because in their mind, if it's not weird, I'm not sacrificing. If it's not hard, I'm not sacrificing. If it's not almost impossible for somebody to do, then I'm not really dedicated. But then God just says, hey, here's my yoke. Learn of me. My yoke, it's not going to weigh you down. My yoke is going to be easy and light. And as you work out your salvation with fear and trembling, you'll find a rest for your souls. But yet, so often, when a relationship becomes easy, we can sink to our lowest common denominator. Right? Rather than saying, wow, this is such a good situation. I'll work even harder. I mean, maybe you've had a job where the boss says, hey, everybody, if you could get here at nine, that'd be great. You know, here, you know around nine-ish. Have you ever had a job like that? Why? Because <laughs> if, if I can be nine-ish, I'm going to be here at 920-ish rather than 855-ish. It's our human nature, isn't it? But God's not going to do it. God's not going to say, okay, you want me to make it hard on you? Then I'm going to make it hard on you. He's not going to do that, is he? Well, if I start condemning you, then maybe you guys will start showing up for church on Sunday. God's not going to do that. But there are great rewards in doing it ourselves. It shows love, right? If somebody makes you, puts a gun to your head, say, say, I love you. You're looking at the barrel of a gun. I love you. I thought so. You know, but give me a hug, you know. <laughs> it, it doesn't mean anything, right? My, my little grandson this last week, you know, he can barely talk, but he, 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 he on times he'll just say, I love you. And then he hugs the cell phone. We, we do FaceTiming. He's hugging the cell phone and kissing the cell phone. And it's coming out of his little two-year-old heart, you know. It, it blesses God when we, we love on him, like all of us, right? When somebody says, I want you, and hey, you, you and me, let's do this. Let's talk. Let's eat. Let's go for a walk. Let's spend time together. When somebody desires you, what, isn't that healing? I think, I think a lot of people need comfort animals right now because they don't have people in their life saying, I want you. So I need a dog to want me. <laughs> need my cat to climb on me saying, hey, I want to sit with you. I want to purr next to you. Oh, this is healing. I, I have somebody desiring me. Well, God wants you to desire him. He, he has made it clear he desires us. How, how do we do that? It's by going to church. It's by reading the Bible. It's by praying. It's by letting him fill you up with his spirit. As you read the scriptures, as you worship, as you pray, he fills you up with his spirit. This is such an important part that we mature in Christ and come to that point. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should, that each of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. I, I know for myself, 
If I drank alcohol, I wouldn't honor God. Now, if you drink wine, that's on you. That's not on me. But I just know for me, if I did that, looking at so many of my relatives, I would eventually not honor God anymore. It would affect me. That's my vessel. That's this vessel right here. I know it, it'll take me away from being sanctified, set apart for God's use and honoring God. Um, and then he goes on to say that work out your own salvation. You can't help anybody else in this area. You know, you, you can't put a love of God in somebody's heart. You can't force somebody to read the Bible and then expect God to touch their hearts. You can't force somebody to sing and expect God to feel loved by that. It's got to be something that comes out of you. In Galatians 6, verse 4 and 5, he says it perfectly. Let each one examine his own work. Then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Now listen to verse 5, Galatians 6. For each one shall or must bear his own load. It comes down to you. You can't use your wife or your husband as an excuse. Well, I'd go to church, but my wife didn't get out of bed. Well, I'd go to church, but my husband didn't desire to do it today. Well, I would read my Bible, but I've got to take care of the family. No, it's on you. And, and, and this is where you have a chance to deny yourself and take up the cross and follow or not. And he says, with fear and trembling. We've talked about this before. The word fear, when the old King James guys translated that, it doesn't have the same meaning today. Today, we, we would say a deep sense to want to honor, a deep sense to want to respect. So the beginning of just having a deep heart to want to honor God and to, and to bless God is the beginning of wisdom a deep down desire to want to, to be holy and righteous in my lifestyle is how we depart from evil. And so here the word trembling is very much that. It's trembling. You're, you're emotionally and physically being touched by this. I want to honor God. and I got to lift my hands. I got to clap my hands. I got to get on my knees right now. I'm, Lord, I, I want my body to, to be holy and righteous before you. Interesting, in 2 Corinthians 5, I want you to see how Paul does this. Like he's doing it in our letter right now. He did it in Ephesians. He's doing it now in Philippians. Next time we go in Colossians, he does it again. But it's really clear right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 through 8. Look at the joy and the confidence he has in justification. And then look at how he talks about sanctification. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6 through 8, For we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, he says the word again, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. I'm confident, I'm justified, I'm confident when I leave this body, I'm going to heaven. But it doesn't end there, does it? Then he turns around in verse 9, exactly what he's doing in Philippians. And he says this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9 through 11. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat. In the Greek, you've got to look up the word judgment often because there's two different judgments. One's Bema seat for reward, and the other is the great white throne judgment for condemnation of the wicked. This is not a judgment of condemnation. This is a judgment of reward, okay? We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one, listen, that each one may give, each one may receive the things done in his body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror, the same word as fear in Philippians 2.12, the, 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 the sense of awe of that day of standing before God, the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. 
This is the same word, faith. I'm going to help you to come to faith in Christ. I want to help you to come to understand your responsibility in sanctification. So I want to help every believer come to understand in a mature way their responsibility to do what they're to do in a very human, earthly way. And he said, we are well known to God and I trust also we're well known in your conscience. In other words, you see it in our lives. So every maturing believer has this joyful awe, this fear and trembling, knowing we're going to be standing before God and it's going to seem like a second from now. Literally, it's like, has 10 years really gone by since Brian preached that sermon on sanctification? It doesn't seem like 10 years. It seems like one second. So wake up. He is saying here that we need to work out our obedience because Christ has already put his power, his love, his grace, his kindness, his goodness, his Holy Spirit has been poured upon our hearts and spreading out his love. Now we need to see it happen in our bodies. And that's up to you. Is the love of Christ going to come from your body? It's up to you. Oh, I need to work at being loving? No, you need to work at being filled with the Spirit. You, you, you need to seek God in the Word. You need to seek God in prayer. You need to pray without ceasing. You need to meditate in God's Word day and night. You need to not forsake the gathering together of the brethren. We need to be speaking in each other's life, encouraging one another to love and good works. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 20 and 21, Paul explains this to young Timothy who is being lazy, who is being lethargic as a Christian. He was not sharing his faith because he was afraid to do it, but he also was not wanting to identify with Paul because he didn't want the pressure that would come that his father in the faith is in prison. So Timothy was just flying under the radar. And, and Paul writes from prison, the last letter to this young man, Timothy. And he says, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So just to come daily and like David, search my heart, oh God, see if there be any wicked way in me. Am I living for you as a vessel of honor or am I living in this world as a vessel of dishonor? Am I a clay pot that's being used for water or am I a clay pot that's being used as a toilet? Am I a clay pot that's being used to serve the dinner mill or am I a clay pot that people spit in and throw their trash in? He's saying either possibility is there. God doesn't have good Christians and bad Christians. God doesn't have good children and bad children. But God does have weak Christians and strong Christians. There are fruitful Christians and unfruitful Christians. And it really comes back to what we do day by day. You know, you you see those guys that... Man, I'm going to get back to church. I'm going to get back to the Lord. Man, they're reading the Bible 24 hours a day, seven days a week for three weeks, and then you don't see them again. It's like, hey, that was great. You read the Bible for 180 hours. Let's spread that over three years (laughs) and not three weeks. Well, he goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 3, in verse 10 through 15, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as wise master builder, I have laid a foundation, another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds. No other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold and silver and precious stones and wood and straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. Because it will be revealed by fire, will test each one's work of what sort it is. Again, going back to the Bema Seat of Christ, all our, good, all our works are going to be tested with fire. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. 
But if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved. It's not a justification issue. It's a sanctification issue. Yet as through fire. And Paul says, and now, not just when I'm with you, everybody picks up their pace when Apostle Paul's in town. But now, even when I'm absent, your motivation is the same. You know, our motivation should not be stronger when people are looking at us and then weaker when we're by ourselves. He's saying that there's a true godly motivation coming from your heart to want to please the Lord because you just love him, not because you want to appear to everybody else that you love him. Such a hard thing, but we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Well, verse 13 For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Boy, don't you love this verse 13? God knows this, doesn't he? (laughs) Because so often, you're talking about doing the things? I don't even have a will to do those things. First, I got to be willing, and then I've got to have the discipline to do it. At first, my heart's so dry and and, and so hard and and so unspiritual. And my mind is saying, this world is spiritual. Look at the signs of the time. The Lord's coming back soon. You you should be seeking the Lord, and I'm not. And and, and I'm just such at a low place spiritually. I have not even the will to want to be a Christian, to read the Bible, to go to church, to pray, to share my faith to love the Lord with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, to seek him first in his kingdom and his righteousness. There's no, not even a will there. Have you ever been to that place? Anybody? Yeah? I think we've all been there. If you've been a Christian for a while, you've been to those times of testing, right? I mean, it's one thing to say, oh, we need to forgive everybody, but then God's going to test that, isn't he? He's going to take you through a time where you're really wronged, and can you actually forgive, right? So I, boy, I can teach a Bible study on forgiving as long as I don't have anybody that I need to forgive. But man, now I got to teach a Bible study and I, I'm really bitter at this guy and I don't want to forgive him. Well, that's a whole different thing. Our faith has to be tested, right? We got to go through the desert and Satan pounding and you're thirsty and hungry and hot. God's got to take us through those kinds of testing. The word here for works, God, it is God who works in you. The word work in the Greek is energio, which is our word energy comes from, or power. So God is going to give us the energy to will, and God's going to give us the energy to do. Is anybody happy about that? Whew, thank you, Lord. God, You're working in me. God is working in you. Boy, I I don't know how I could say anything more encouraging than that. God knows you by name. He's got a brand new name in heaven that only you and him will know. He knows every hair upon your head. If you were to go down into the depths of hell, he would be there. Go into the heights of heaven, he would be there. The Lord is for you. It doesn't matter who or what is against you. And so we we see from A to Z, God's going to get us there. A, we got to just have the spiritual desire. And then the Z, to do it and consistently do it, to be diligent and not stop doing the things that are right, even when we're tired, even when we don't feel like it. You know, I I think every generation has a percentage of people that are that live on fillings. And, and you know, if you've been a Christian for a while, you've been married for a while, raise kids, you, you can't live by fillings, right? I mean, I don't feel like taking out the trash ever. I don't ever feel like doing the dishes. Feel like I do I do feel like watching TV. I, I do feel like eating donuts. I can feel that, like, any time. I'm just dry. I can feel like eating a donut. It's amazing. But this, this generation who are millennials in particular, if they don't feel it, they don't do it. And we're, we're seeing now all these jobs. They're paying them up to $20 an hour, a job they should be getting $5 an hour. 
And they still aren't feeling it. It's incredible. I don't feel like going to school, so they just drop out. I do feel like being on social media. You know, they'll do that for hours. Well, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, 24, look at this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Do you hear this? May the God of peace himself, it's emphatic, by himself, without any other buddy help, sanctify you entirely, including your body. Did you see that? Your spirit, your soul, and your body, and preserve you blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, he will do it. Now, this is interesting because we just read 1 Thessalonians 4, and it sounded very different. You remember 1 Thessalonians 4? Let's read that again. In verse 1 through 4, Finally, then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord that you should abound more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and please God, that you should know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. And then now we read in the very next chapter, chapter five, oh, God's gonna do it, be at peace. Well, which is it? <laughs> is it chapter four, it's up to me to do it? Or is it chapter five, God's gonna do it? What's the answer? The answer is both. I love that quote that clarifies it for me. Without God, we can't. But without us, he won't. Do you you understand that? I mean, he is. When we die, he is going to sanctify us entirely in a new body in heaven. But on this earth, the only time in all of eternity, we will have to deny ourselves is now. The only time in all of eternity to force a sinful body to pray or read the Bible or go to church, even though my feelings are 100% opposite. Man, my feelings are so strong to stay in bed and not go to church. Oh, I have a peace from the Lord to just lay here and not go to church today. It's really the Lord. I've had a hard week. The Holy Spirit's telling me just to go back to sleep. Thank you, Lord. You know? Yeah, God's God's not going to send an angel and hit you in the head or pour a heavenly glass of water on your face. It's up to you. If you pray, God will answer prayers. If you don't pray, he won't. (laughs) If you read the Bible and meditate on it, God will speak to you from his word. If you don't, he won't. Do we understand it? God's sovereignty is really God's sovereignty. Your free will is really your free will. In Calvinism, it mixes the two until free will is no longer free will. And, you know, if God really wants me at church, he'll get me there. One minute, I'll be in bed. The next minute, I'm in church. See there? I don't even know how it happened. He translated me here. That's just like Philip. You know, God God wants me in church. He'll translate me there. Put my clothes on for me without me even knowing it. God's not going to work that way. He made all the human things. He, He loves it. He created the solar system, and he loves the day and the night. He loves the gravitational pull from the moon that cleans the oceans. He, he, he loves how a little baby is born into this world, and, and, and he loves the processes that man goes through in this life. All of it he created, and he wants you now to live in it. You are equal to God in this one way. You have a complete free will. Complete. You can be a vessel of honor, or even as a believer, you can be a vessel of dishonor. Even as a believer, you can walk as you once did in the lust of your flesh, as when you didn't know God. Remember that in Ephesians 2? You can do it now. 
or you can walk as Jesus walked in holiness and purity and righteousness and love and kindness and goodness. Every day, the complete sphere of free choice is before you. And if you just lay and wait for the, the waves to move you, it'll always be towards the weakness. It'll always be towards flesh, right? Man, I just laid here eating bonbons and I got a six pack. I don't know how that happened. It doesn't happen, does it? I just sat there eating candy all day and I lost five pounds. It was amazing. Anything that's fruitful and good and healthy, we, are, we have to crucify our flesh with its passions and desires, right? This is just human stuff. And I, again, so many theological circuits like Calvinism, they so twist that, that you don't know. It's like, well, God's grace, I guess he's got to make me do it if I'm supposed to do it. And he'll, you know, no. Free will is free will. And God loves the fact that you are seeking him in the word because you love him and want to know him. That you're praying to be filled with the spirit because you want to be fruitful to love on him and to love our fellow man. That I'm going to church because I love the Lord and I want to worship him and, and I want to be there to bless other people. We're all a hand, a foot, an ear, and eye. We need to be the complete body at church so I can speak to somebody and hug somebody and pray for somebody. And God wants to speak to me and I want to hear that, that word that I wouldn't hear on my own, reading my own Bible. It's a unique prophecy with exhortation that God only gives to those who are at church and a part of that fellowship. And so he'll do it. In, seven, in John 7, 38 and 39, he said, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit, him believers in him would receive. So God, fill me up with your spirit. In Ephesians 2.10, I love that. He, you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we absolutely will walk in it. Is that what it says? We should. Amazing that everybody believes in him. God has a predestined plan for all your life. And there's, he's created you uniquely to fulfill this plan. Nobody else can do it. Your voice, your height, your hair, your age, your color, your experience, life experiences, all of that is making you unique for what the Lord set you up for. But even then, it may happen, it may not happen. It may happen 10%, it may happen 60%, it may happen 100%. So again, God's done this. God is at work in you. He's planned things out amazingly. Look in, in Romans 4, 8, 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So when we stand in our new body, it will be done. But before then, we get rewards. How, how far have you moved in your maturity? How far have you moved forward on daily being a vessel sanctified and set apart for good works? See, this is, this is where we want to have this life of obedience and life of, of doing it, not to justify ourselves for, for, for salvation, but out of the love of God to have many rewards. I mean, imagine if you're the principal of a school and your child is in that high school. Let's say it's a high school. And the day comes for graduation and you barely made it. I mean, teacher had pity on, pity on you and gave you a C instead of a D, so you graduated. And there's your dad giving out diplomas. And he's giving you a diploma knowing it's like, you shouldn't have even graduated, but here you are. Versus, man, I want to be the ultimate student and, 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 and make my dad's life easy and bless him. And there you are, the valedictorian, and your dad's the principal. Do you, do you see the difference? We're all going to appear before God. 
And he wants us to be the person that has this amazing rewards that he can bless us with for his glory as well as ours. In Titus 2.14, it says, Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us for every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. Notice, zealous for good works. And here in Philippians 1.6, I'm confident this very thing. He who began the good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's never going to let go of us. He's going to keep on being faithful even when we're not faithful. But those who will deny themselves, he will glorify with himself. So I just want to make a clear note here. Because a lot of times when you talk about this, people can get back into an old legalistic form. Oh, yeah, I got to go. I got to do all these things. Hey, Christianity, it makes me have to do all these things. Got to read my Bible. Got to pray. Gotta, and you're getting back into this bondage. Christ did not save us to, to go back into bondage. And so in the process of living a holy life, being sanctified, set apart for God's use, should produce freedom and joy, not a religious form without that Holy Spirit of grace and joy. Let not, let's not set aside the grace of God to start pounding on ourselves and others to be some holy religious person. That's bondage. Let's not forget the nature of Jesus. Remember in Matthew 11, my yoke, here it is, learn of me to be a disciple, as John 15 says, to abide in him. Then we will bear fruit. Colossians 2.16, or Colossians 2 verse 6, great verse. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. How did we receive Christ? By grace. So as you were justified by grace, now God wants us to, by grace to walk in obedience with him. See here in Titus 2, verse 11 to 14, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness, worldly lusts, that we should be soberly righteous, godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, Notice, who are zealous for good works. So in verse 11, the grace of God that brings salvation is the same grace, verse 12, that teaches us to deny ungodliness, worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteous, godly in this present age. It's still grace. Grace that brings justification and grace that brings us into sanctification. But on the other side of the coin... If you're not being diligent, if you're not, if you are living a life after fillings in the flesh, that'll put you into bondage, won't it? So many people today, there's so many things to be addicted to. When I was a kid, you, you, there's you know, alcoholism, I think. And then maybe uh, when I was a little older, drugs came in and, and people, that, that was about it. But now all these video games, I, I, my, my sons told me that, most of his friends have divorced because they're so addicted. They're, they're, they ignore the wife, ignore the kids. They go in and they're, you know, from six at night till two in the morning, they're playing these video games, getting an hour of sleep, getting them going to work. And, and then they do it all weekend. They don't go to church. They don't go hiking. They don't want to do anything but be on these video games. And of course, now gambling. You know, I, I, had a, I was watching football, and they said, hey, download this app from Fox News. And I realized it's basically a tutorial how to learn how to gamble on football. And I had no idea that's what they were doing. It, and, and I can't tell you how many people have destroyed their lives through gambling. I mean, there are so many things to be addicted to. There's so many things to not just hurt you, but destroy you. And so, again, the flesh brings you into bondage. In 1 Peter 1, listen closely here in verse 13 to 19. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lust, as in your ignorance, 
But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it's written, be holy for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here in fear. <laughs> Live on this earth with a healthy respect. The devil, the flesh, the worldly peer pressure will get you. You wake up. You're in a sinful body, and if you're not fighting it, it's going to win the fight. And even though you're born again, you won't be the fruitful person that you should be. Listen to Second Peter now. He really explains it even better in his second letter. In Second Peter 1, verse 5 through 11, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence... Add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, love, agape. And then he says, if these things are what? Yours and abound. These are yours. Well, you know, it's by the grace of God. It, it was by the grace of God, but it was you kicking yourself and prodding yourself it was you denying yourself. It was you beating your body into subjection. It was you crucifying your flesh with all its passions and desires. You love the Lord in doing that. Remember, if you do these things out of fleshliness and not love, if you're doing it out of some motive, I got to be holy or God's going to throw me away. I got to be holy or I'm not going to make it to heaven after all. I got to, I got to be holy or God will unaccept me or reject me or blackball me. Or I, I got to look, if you're doing it for those reasons, you're like it says in 1 Corinthians 13, you're a clanging cymbal or a blasting trumpet. It's got to be from love. But there's that place where you're like, God, I love you and your spirit's in me, and you've given me eternal life. And I now, out of love, want to add to my faith diligence. I want to be virtuous like you are, Lord. I, I want to be full of your knowledge. When I know the word, when I hide your word in my heart, I don't sin against you. When I'm filled up with the spirit, I don't, I'm able to fight in the spiritual battle and win. When I'm not meditating on your word, I don't win over sin. When your word isn't being hit in my heart nonstop, meditating on it day and night, I give in to my flesh and then I'm so grieved and I get so weak spiritually, then it's hard to not feel condemned and it's hard to want to seek you and read the Bible. But he said, if these things are yours and you abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful for the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who lacks these things is what? short-sighted. He's immature, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. This guy is a Christian, but he is not even thinking about how wonderful it was that Christ died for us and rose again, that we could be free from our sins. You've been freed from your sins, from the curse of sin, from the judgment of sin, from the condemnation of sin, but practically you're doing it. The very thing that Christ died for you're doing it like a non-Christian is living in the flesh. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do all these things, you will never stumble. Listen to verse 11. For so entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you leave this body and all the angels are there going hip, hip, hooray. And, and on that day when the Lord's giving you rewards, here's a crown, here's another gold medal, here's another gold medal. And Jesus is so happy to, to see you get all of those rewards. Your dad is so happy that, that, that you have many crowns. The Bible says that there's many crowns. Versus the guy like the thief on the cross who's in heaven with no reward. And it's like, yeah, hey, guys, let's give him a hand clap here. You know, but that's about it. God, God wants you to have an abundant entry into that kingdom. So both to will and to do. I think of the, the psalmist in, in 100, Psalm 103, verse 2. Bless the Lord, all my soul, forget not all his benefits who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. 
Listen to Psalm 103, verse 13 and 14 now. For as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. God, I'm here, but I'm weak. <laughs> and, and the world so filled me up with all of its taste and thoughts and appetites and ideas that I, 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 my willingness to get up and go to church or my willingness to read the Bible every day or my willingness to seek you in prayer or my willingness to not to deny myself and take up the cross, it's weak. And God says, I know you're weak. And that's why my spirit, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. My spirit is sufficient to help you to will. But how's that going to happen? As you begin to obey, God's spirit will give you strength to obey. God's not going to make you obey and then you start kicking your spirit into obeying. It's the opposite. You've got to get out of the boat and try to walk on the water. And the Lord will hold you up. Isn't it interesting? It wasn't all 12 apostles jumping out of the boat. It was just one guy who said, hey, if that's you, Lord, get, tell me to get out of the boat and, and walk on the water. God wants that kind of faith in our life. I think of the apostles there in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus said to them, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Get a big amen on that. Or I love the man's honesty in, Ma in Mark 9 where he says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. <laughs> Christ through the cross has assured us victory in 1 Corinthians 1, 29 to 31, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom of God, the righteousness of God, and what else? Sanctification and redemption. As is written, he who glories, glory in the Lord. God is sanctifying us for his good pleasure. He will do it one day. It will be complete in heaven. But between now and then, what do we do? We come and just say, Lord, I want to do it. And God doesn't want you to be afraid. That's why I wanted to close with Luke 12, 32. Do not fear, little flock. It's your Father's pleasure, good pleasure, to give you the kingdom. It's out of God's good pleasure he's talking about this. Remember, it started, beloved, therefore, beloved. Then God wasn't going to start condemning you and getting you to get in some religious mode. But he truly wants the love of God to be shed abroad in your heart. And that love would be out of a motive towards God, but it would be out of a realistic fruitfulness towards one another. You know, a while back I asked the question, if everybody in this church was a Christian the way you're a Christian, would our church be stronger or would it be non-existent? If everybody prays the way you pray, would we be a praying church? If everybody gave the way you gave, would we even be able to pay the rent each month? If everybody attended church the way you attend church, would, would we have enough people to continue? Yeah, th there's a point, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, where we got to set aside childishness and the childish way of thinking, and pick up maturity, right? And this is what Paul now is saying. It's not enough to know about how Christ became a servant. You now need to be a servant as well, like Christ. It's not enough that Christ died or lived a holy life. You now need to walk as Jesus walked. This is why you're justified. This is why the Holy Spirit is in your life right now. So that little parentheses, <laughs> when you're in your new body in heaven, guys, you're not going to have to deny yourself. You're not going to take up a cross in heaven. There's no time to give up. There's no sleep to give up. There's no pain to, to, to incur. Do, do you understand? This is it. For all of eternity, you have a chance to gain reward 
out of this little tiny space of time. And may God help us number our days that we might know wisdom. Amen. Lord, thank you for your word today. And we just ask as we continue line upon line, precept upon precept, working our way through it, that you would just continue to bring us to maturity. That we would not be like a child waiting around for God to knock us out of bed and put our clothes on us and drag us to church. Or God wouldn't uh, grab us by the ear and sit us down and make us read the Bible. But Lord, we know that we are in this world. You've given us a free will and, and we will be blessed or cursed by our daily moment-by-moment -moment choices. We'll be strong physically if we work out. and We'll be strong spiritually if we work out spiritually. Hmm. If we apply diligence in our workplace, our boss will be proud. And if we apply diligence in our faith, we'll bear much fruit. And thus the Father will be glorified. Search our hearts right now. See if there be any wicked way in us. And I'd say, Lord, see if there be any childishness in us, any immaturity in us. And cleanse us, Lord. Help us. Heal us, Lord. So often America makes things so easy for us. We can become spoiled little brats with all everything being given to us without hardly any effort on our part. Lord, help us. Forgive us, cleanse us, heal us. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen, amen. amen. Let's all